my name is Stephen Mansfield, and this is your 15. The question for our 15 minutes together is this. What's the difference between the church and the kingdom? Perhaps you've seen some of our other segments about what is the church and how do you live in the church and relate to the church. But there's a very, very important question we need to talk about, and that is what's the difference between the church of Jesus Christ, the church, and the kingdom of God? And this question, not having been answered correctly, largely through history, has really kept Christians from having the impact they're made to have. Now, just by way of review, you have the church. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. It means those who are called out. Ek, out, kaleo, called in Greek. Those who are called out, called out of darkness, called out of sin, uh, called out of this world, and called to Jesus. But then you also have mentioned in the Bible the kingdom of God. And, and it's very clear that the kingdom of God is not the same thing as the church. So we need to understand the two. And by way of understanding this, I think it will really help some of us understand what we're made to do. Uh, the, the kingdom of God is wherever the king reigns. That's the simple sort of Sunday school elementary definition of what the kingdom is. Wherever the king is reigning... That's where the kingdom is. And so God's reign on the earth happens in a a wide variety of areas through a number of different professions, through a number of different institutions, um, but it's not the same thing as the church. So let me distinguish for you a little bit. The church is where the gospel is preached. It's where the presence of God is experienced in a real focused and concentrated way. It's where disciples are made. Uh, Very important. Obviously, the church is the most important institution of the kingdom of God. Uh, It's it's, it's absolutely at the center. It's it's where we train people. It's where we grow them up. It's where we break bondages out of their lives. It's it's where we grow together with other believers uh, to become mature in Jesus Christ individually and corporately. But it's also very clear in the Bible that there are other, shall we call them institutions, Uh, other organizations. Uh, I I prefer the word institutions. There are other institutions that are God's will and through which his work is done on the earth, which means through which his reign is extended on the earth. For example, it's very clear in the Bible that God has ordained governing authorities. Uh, If you are a Bible reader, you have a Bible with you, when I'm done here, you might want to read Romans 13, the 13th chapter of Romans, the book of Romans in the New Testament. Uh, You'll find that that God very clearly says uh, that that there is no governing authority that he has not established. Uh, He's the one who gives authority to those who are uh, in rulership, politically speaking. Um, that the civil magistrate, the old word for the governing leader, uh, has authority, bears not the sword in vain, it says in the old King James, uh, meaning that the governing authority has the authority to punish criminals and to defend people from attack and so on. But, But the broader issue is that there's no question that the government is ordained by God. God ordained government in the world. It's an, it's an institution that he ordained also with the church. So you see, if we're talking about the kingdom of God and what institutions uh, are, are in the kingdom of God that are extending the rule of Jesus in the world, which is, again, the rule of the king is, is what the kingdom is, um, then you see that it's not just the church. It's also righteous government. 
Well, then there probably are others, aren't there? Uh, the Bible gives the responsibility for teaching children uh, to parents. And it's perfectly legitimate for parents to come together uh, and, and use the division of labor uh, and, and create a school for the teaching of children. It's perfectly legitimate for, 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 that, for the school to exist. In fact, it's assumed in the Bible that schools will exist and schools did exist in the Bible. And it's assumed that the parents will teach. And those schools might be part of a church or they might be separate from the church. But, but still, for, for the people of God, for Christians, the development of a school is clearly a kingdom venture. It's clearly an arena that God might call people to uh, that, and, and, and a function that extends the reign of Jesus Christ, clearly. So we've already seen the church, yes, critical, primary, but government and then schools. Well, I could go on and on. For example, you may not be aware that in the Bible, uh, it makes it clear that some people are called to be soldiers. Some people are called to the military. This is not just something people do when they come out of high school and they just join the Marines just sort of almost accidentally. Uh, this, is, this is actually what some people are gifted to do. Uh, they're meant to be soldiers. Uh, some people are, are meant to be in business and work in the free market and start businesses that, that through which they make contacts with people, through which they do a job that honors God and serves the society, and, and through which they, uh, they, they generate wealth uh, for, for, the, for Christian ventures. Um, it's very clear in the Bible that some people are called to, as we sometimes say, the marketplace. They're called to the free market. They're called to do business. This is a noble calling. It's not lesser uh, than, than a, the calling of a pastor. It's just different. Um, some people, I think, are called to media. Uh, I think that's an arena. Maybe we could put that together with entertainment. Some are called to sing. Some are called to perform. Uh, some are called to do media. Uh, that's, a, that's a very critical thing in our, in our world today. So you, you have a, a number of ventures like that. In, in fact, you know, I, I, th I don't think it's, it's that odd uh, to say that, that, that there are maybe as many as seven arenas people might be called to. Uh, you're called maybe to the church. You're called maybe to the military. You're called maybe to business. Uh, you, you're called maybe to education. I mean, I mean there, there, are, there are many others. There are, I've seen lists of seven, lists of ten. It doesn't really matter. But, but many of these uh, pursuits are, are kingdom ventures. And it's, it's very, very important. I think the calling to the arts uh, is unbelievably critical. I think the church uh, used to create the most beautiful art in the world, and I, and I pray that that day returns. So the point that I'm trying to make is that while the church is the most important institution in the kingdom, no question about it, because it, it's the place where the word is taught and we make disciples and, and, and we teach people to be conformed to the image of Jesus. The, the, the fact is that there are many other institutions in the kingdom. Now, if we understand this, it really radically changes the way that we function and the way we understand ourselves. I have been a pastor for many, many years, decades, and I'm called to do that to some extent. I do other things. I write and I, and I work in politics, as I've said in other segments. But, but I, I pastor people and teach people for the most part. But if I'm doing that in a church, that's simply what I'm called to do. And, and it's not what everyone's called to do. In fact, I would suggest to you that very few people, relatively speaking, are called to pastor churches. Uh, many more are meant to be trained in churches and then sent out to work in politics uh, and government, uh, to work in the arts, 
to work in business, um, to, to, to work in other, other arenas. Uh, there, are, there are so many to work in the military. These are callings. These are things people are made to do. And one of the reasons I feel this so keenly is that at times in, in the history of the church, it's been common to act like the pastor or the priest was the anointed one, the gifted one, and everyone else was living a secular life. Notice, notice I'm putting it in quotes. Secular uh, meaning something that wasn't religious. It wasn't spiritual. So the guy in business, he would go, he would do his business all week long, and then when he came to church, he would sit in a holy place in front of a holy pastor like me, theoretically speaking, and he would be pastored by in a, in a holy way, and then he'd go back out to his dirty secular life, and he would hope that Jesus would forgive him for you know working in business. Well, that's just silly. That's just an extreme. Uh, the reality is that whatever we do in word and deed, we ought to be doing to the Lord, as unto the Lord Jesus. That whatever our hand finds to do, whatever we're gifted for, whatever we're called to, um, we, we, we need to be doing that as an extension of what Jesus has made us to do as a means of doing good in the world. Now, I think this has had a number of limiting functions in the church, and it's important that we talk about this now. Um, the fact is that if, that if the only people who are called and gifted and anointed, these may be words that you'll have to have explained later in future segments, um, but those who have the grace of God in their lives to, to do certain functions, if the only people who are like that are the pastors and the church workers, well, that means that everybody else who goes out there all week long uh, week to week and works out in the world, out in a secular job or a secular environment, um, is doing something, what, that God doesn't care about? That that can't be done under the power of the Holy Spirit? That, that isn't something that pleases God? I would suggest that's just the opposite. I believe we're supposed to come into the church, and I think the Bible makes this very clear, and be trained and be taught who we are in Jesus and then we have various callings and pursuits. I believe the man who flies a plane for an airline serves Jesus in that role. Again, if the man's a Christian committed to Jesus, called to do this, serves Jesus in that role just as surely as any pastor. I believe the man who goes out and starts a business or works in a business, uh, works in technology, whatever it is he or she does, um, I, I believe that person, is if they're using their gifts to the glory of God, then they are in to put it broadly, the ministry, the calling, uh, the avenue of grace they're meant to be living in. And God wants to use it. God wants to use their skill. He wants to use their contacts with other people. He wants to use the excellence they model in front of, in front of people who might need to know that Christians can be committed to excellence. And this is, this is what, how God sees this person, what he created them to do, just as surely as any pastor. Now, one of the reasons you sense such a passion in me about this, I'm sorry to be so, so eager about it, is that I believe the church has limited itself. And this is important for us to understand. If a few of us, I don't mean two or three, but if a relatively small amount of people are meant to be the pastors, and the majority are meant to be born-again Christian people in the world doing what they do with the grace of God in their lives, engaging the lost, generating wealth, uh, modeling of kingdom values out there in society, well then, if we keep everybody in the church or we, or we make folks think who are out there in the world that they're doing something secular and lesser, then we'll not have the impact we're supposed to have. We want pastors. 
We just don't want pastors to be the only people who understand themselves as called by God. We, the vast majority of people sitting in the pews on Sunday mornings, the vast majority of people who are sitting in a church anywhere in the world are not going to be pastors. They are meant to be out doing their professions, doing their callings, mastering the technology, doing the arts, working in the various arenas that are kingdom ventures. And Jesus is not only just as glorified, but his reign is extended in those ways. There's a third issue that's very, very important, and that is that until we understand this, understand, this version of the church, we will not see the wealth and, the, and the, the funding that we need in the church. If everybody's a pastor uh, and everybody's living inside the four walls of the church, uh, then we don't have the people out there functioning in callings that generate money, generate income. It's, 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 we shouldn't be ashamed of talking about money inside the church. And many of the vast majority of people who gather in a church are meant to be out in professions and in society, uh, working and generating wealth. And then of course, tithing and giving generously to the church so that it can do what it's called to do. And I think we've had a, a, a loss of that in the church because we've wanted uh, people not to understand their, their professions as callings. But I think there's another thing that's important too, and that is that if we, if we don't understand this proper understanding of the difference between the church and the kingdom, then we're going to assume that all ministry has to be done by the pastors. Now, I'll tell you that thank God for the pastors that we have. But the reality is that in terms of reaching this world, the average pastor is not going to reach the average soldier, for example. It's going to be another soldier who reaches him. The average pastor, gifted though he may be, he or she, uh, is not is not going to reach the average what politician it's going to be another politician or somebody who works in their world so what i'm saying is that that the ministry that we're trying to affect in the world the penetrating of people's lives the to use the biblical image the getting in their boat you know getting into their profession and and impacting them right where they live that's not going to be done by the pastor you you don't encounter a lost person at a restaurant and say, hang on a minute, let me call a pastor to come lead you to Jesus. We we are meant to be out there engaging people and contacting people and, and showing people who Jesus is by the way that we live. Everything re- reproduces after its own kind. And while a pastor certainly can lead a, a businessman to Jesus and a businessman can lead an artist to Jesus, of course those things can happen. For the most part, people are going to be impacted by people who are like them. I want to close with this thought. Billy Graham is one of the greatest evangelists uh, in, the, in the history of the world, and he's had a profound impact on our generation. But do you know that the majority of people who come to Jesus do not come because an evangelist leads them or even by walking down to the front or being converted in a church? They come, statistically this is true worldwide, because somebody they already know, usually through their work, shared the gospel with them. And that's the way most ministry is done. So thank God for the church. Thank God for what it is. Thank God for pastors. Thank God for a spirit-filled body of people growing into the image of Jesus. But thank God, too, that the church is the launching pad of all the professions and giftings that people are meant to walk out to the glory of Jesus. And as they live in those professions and do what they do as their ministries to the glory of God, they not only fulfill their calling, they not only model kingdom values for the world, they contact the lost, generate wealth, and, 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 and do marvelous things in extending the reign of Jesus in the earth. And that is your 15.